While the celebration of Christmas is only a couple of days behind us, the living out of Christmas is something that is always in front of us. And that is what we'll continue today here on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse, another look at our life in Christ from the perspective of Christmas. Join us for Graceful Truth next. Again, greetings in Christ and welcome to Graceful Truth from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. If you're joining us today, we're looking back just a couple of days ago to the celebration of Christmas that we might live out Christmas every day in front of us. What child is this? Here now with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth, our teacher and pastor. Once again, here's Pastor Steve Converse. So Jesus the baby is also Jesus the Creator. Incredible truth. But it doesn't stop there. Back to Luke chapter 2, it tells us that this little baby who was the Creator also became Jesus, the dying Savior. Look at verse 8, Luke 2, 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. That's what shepherds do. They protect the flock. They do it 24-7. Doesn't matter when the enemies are coming. A shepherd who's concerned for his flock is willing to put forth the effort to protect the flock. It says in verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with fear. You say, well, why were they filled with fear? I guarantee you, if an angel appeared to you, you would be filled with fear as well. It's a supernatural being. It's amazing. And you notice here, verse 10, And the angel said to them, Oh, wait, wait. You mean he didn't speak an angel talk? No. No such thing. The Bible says that he spoke very clearly and distinctly in the dialect of the shepherds so they could understand him. So the next time you hear someone who speaks in tongues saying, oh, it's, it's angel language. All you got to say is chapter, verse, show me in the Bible where an angel spoke in a way that did not communicate to the people that he was speaking to. Yes, I said he because angels are male, always got to get away from this angel worship today. People have angels hanging on from their dashboard, hanging in their house. I don't think that brings honor to God. Angels were not meant to be worshipped. Angels worship God. We don't need to be worshipping angels. But it says that the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people i got a message for you. i got a message that's going to rock your world. It's going to fill up your heart with joy. And it's for all the people. Notice that. Verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior. Who is it? 
It's Christ the Lord. And this is going to be a sign for you that you will find this little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, I'm sure if you weren't scared by one angel, you might be a little frightened by all the angels, the great big choir. And they sang, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them, notice where they went, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, uh, let's, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Just a little bit of a glimpse of the majesty of heaven we see here. Only a little bit. And when they just see a little bit of the majesty of heaven, their hearts are filled with fear. So the angel explains to them, hey, don't be fearful. Wait a minute. Let me explain some things to you. I brought some good news. I didn't bring bad news. And this good news is not just for you shepherds who are out here in the middle of the night protecting your flock. It's not only for the people of Israel, but it's for all people. What's the message? What's the good news? The angel said, there's been born for you a Savior, a Messiah, the Lord. See, centuries and centuries before this, the prophets proclaimed that God would send a Messiah to save his people. Finally, after years and years of this promise being looked forward to, the Messiah was born. The problem was, the Messiah was not some political king that they were looking for. But instead, he was a savior. I mean, after they initially heard this angel proclaim this truth to them, that a Messiah was going to be born, a Savior, I bet you they thought, well, I'm sure I know where he'll be born. (laughs) Maybe in a palace somewhere. Among the rich and the wealthy, I'm sure. So when they got down to verse 12, where it says, He's going to be laying in a feeding trough for cows or animals. They probably thought, wait a minute, this this humble, poor little baby is the savior of the world? So what does the angel mean when he says he brings good news of the birth of a savior? The question begs, what's he saving us from? I want you to turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. And this begins to prepare our heart for our communion time. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Go back to verse 21. For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. While he was here on earth, he suffered, leaving you an example. 
so that you might follow in his steps. Wait a minute. You mean when we commit our lives to Christ, we commit our lives to suffer for him? Yes. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Doesn't say that you follow Christ and boy, you're going to get more money, you're going to get more wealth, you're going to be healthy. You're going to be blessed. Doesn't say that. It says you will suffer. Well, it tells us here that Christ suffered. He laid an example down for us of how to suffer. Because don't think we're not going to suffer. That's a lie from the enemy. We're going to suffer. And so he says here that he laid down this example so that we might follow in his steps. Well, what were his steps? If you look back at verse 18, it kind of gives us a little indication. He, Peter says, Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure it? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. That's what Christ did. Christ lived a perfect life. It says in verse 22 that he committed no sin. Not once. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. He was truthful in everything. It says in verse 23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Boy, if we could only do that as humans, as Christians, if we could only get a handle on that, that we could continue to entrust ourselves to our Father who judges justly, not take up our own cross. I mean, not take up our own offense, but take up our own cross and endure it in joy. Because we know that this is part of God's plan. It's part of God's will for us. Verse 24 says, He himself, very personal here, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. See, the idea here, this wasn't a a blanket sacrifice. I'll just go to the cross and just die for everybody and that's it. No. Jesus died on the cross. It says he bore our sins. Our sins were the ones who put him, that put him on the cross. His righteousness was put on us. That's what we've been learning in Romans chapter 4. It was credited credited to us, to our account, not because of something we've done, but because of what he did for us. So that we can say, as Scripture says, now by his wounds we are healed. Speaking of spiritual healing, notice it says, by his wounds we have been healed. Something that was done thousands of years ago on a cross still has effects that play out into our life every day. By his wounds, we have been healed. A lot of people look at that and say, yeah, that's talking about physical healing. And why do you still get sick? Talking about spiritual healing. 
talking about reconciliation with the Father. I mean, don't think for a second that Jesus hung on that cross so you'd never get a little cold. It's not the, that's not the picture, okay? It's a little bigger than that. He died for our sins. And you know what? He died for each of us specifically. There's people today that believe that Jesus made this general payment and somehow if you can just put your faith in Jesus' general payment that you'll be saved. No, the, the death of Christ on the cross was specific. It had to be. Because those who are saved, it's not a general group of people, whoever may come, you know, whatever, whoever shows up to the party, gets the hat, you know, it's not that way. The Bible says that even before the foundation of the world, God somehow in his sovereign choice chose some for salvation. That's a hard truth, but that's what the Bible says. And yet, this good news is meant for everybody. It's hard to make those two truths come together, and I don't think we can do it in our fallen mind. But remember, when you see that baby in a manger, he just didn't grow up to be a man who just simply, simply went around doing good deeds for people, as some people believe. Who was Jesus? Oh, he was a very good man, yeah. Did a lot of good. He didn't grow up to be a man who simply healed a couple hundred people here and there from physical diseases. We know that to be true. But he healed everybody else, but actually he died himself. (laughs) That baby did not grow up to be only this great teacher that we know about through the scriptures who had an incredible penetrating insight into the human nature and went on to teach us how to live. He did all those things, don't get me wrong, but he did so much more. That baby, that human child with all the cuteness and the difficulties shared by all babies, that very person lived a perfect life, beloved. He lived a perfect life, sinless in every way, only to die a terribly cruel, painful death on a Roman cross. And I think every pain of that nail, those nails being driven into his hands, every drop of blood caused by the thorns that were pressed deeply into his skull, every stripe on his back from the whips that they flogged him with, all that was caused by you and me, by our sin. And even more, God himself, the second person of the, 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 the Trinity here, the one who was with God before even time began, endured and felt the wrath of God. All the, the hatred that God had for sin fell upon him. All the wrath of God fell upon this totally innocent Sinless Savior. So the pain that Christ went through was physically excruciating. But there was so much more than just the physical pain that he went through. All the punishment that we deserve for every evil deed that we had ever done was laid on Jesus Christ. The baby in the manger, the creator of the world. He is the dying Savior. And he's dying that we might 
live. Well, Jesus is not just that, but he's also the empowering Lord. He's the empowering Lord. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, verse 20. Because Jesus not only saves us from our sins, but he actually enables us to become his beloved people. So he doesn't just stop there at saving us from our sins. He continues to care for us. And Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but what? Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this flesh, how do I live it? I live it by faith in the Son of God. Who is he? He loved me. He delivered himself up for me. You don't lose half the story. Jesus not only died on the cross, he rose from the dead. Right? You've got to remember that. He rose from the dead. If he didn't rise from the dead, none of this makes any sense. These little crackers and this grape juice is meaningless. The whole purpose of celebrating Christmas is meaningless. And the Bible says after he rose from the dead, now he takes up residence in the hearts of all of his people, those who follow him by faith, by grace, loving us, empowering us, enabling us to live lives that are righteous before him through the power of the Spirit. Think about it. The one who made all the galaxy that we see, the vastness of everything around us, he loves us. He cares for us. He wants to be personally involved in our lives. Why are we worrying about money for retirement? Why are we worrying about this? Why are we worrying about that? I mean, we have a God who's caring for us each and every day. The one who created the sun, the moon, the one who knows the number of the stars in the universe. He knows the number of hairs on your head. If this one lives in us, why do we worry about missing out on life? Why do we worry about possibly losing our job? Why do we worry about taking care of our family? When this very God is empowering us, the empowering Lord within us frees us from worries and frets. And he allows us to trust in him to provide our every need. And that allows us to be radically devoted to him. And to live lives different from the world around us. That's, that's the draw. That's the catch. When people see you going through suffering and going through heartache and seeing you in a situation that seems impossible. And yet your faith is like a rock. You're standing firm on your Lord and Savior. And you're saying, you know what, I may not like this place, but right now this is where God has me. And I'm going to wrap my arms around it with all I can get. And learn what I can through this trial, through this tribulation. And we go to God and we cast, what's the Bible say, all of our cares upon Him. Why? Because He cares for us. He cares for us like nobody else could care for us. He enables us to love those who are unlovable. He enables us to do what would 
seem logically or humanly impossible. We have to see that Jesus is this baby in the manger. He's the creator of the world. He's the dying Savior. And he's the empowering Lord. But he's also the final judge and returning king. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. This same Jesus, this creator yet infant, crucified yet risen, ascended yet he's going to return. And when he returns, he will not come as some weak, helpless little baby, beloved. But he will come as the final judge for all mankind. Look at verse 11, Revelation chapter 19. When I saw heaven open, John writes, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. I am the truth. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and his head, on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is what? The Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We know who he's talking about. If you don't know, verse 13 tells us it's the Word of God. The same word that we read about in the book of John. It's Jesus himself coming back as the final judge and returning king. I mean, he's so glorious, he's almighty, he's all-powerful. More than anybody can ever even understand or comprehend. But here he speaks of a different use of that power. In verse 11 it tells us that he comes to judge and to wage war. Those same eyes that stared into that mother Mary the morning he was born. Those same eyes that wept over Jerusalem. It describes those same eyes that are now aflame with fire as he comes in power and might to smite the nations. And he exhibits the almighty wrath of God on all unrighteousness. To be honest, in the end, there's only two categories of people, beloved. Those who see Jesus as the most precious thing above all else, the only source that will satisfy their deep thirst for righteousness and those who don't. Jesus offers the greatest satisfaction imaginable, the opportunity to become what your Creator intended you to be, to fulfill all your potential in Christ, and most of all, the opportunity to delight in God and to have Him delight in you for all eternity. That's what Christmas is about. And I ask today, this Christmas, even today, Would you put your faith, your trust, your hope in Him? Will you thirst for Him and Him alone? Will you turn your back on the pseudo-pleasures of this world? All that it throws at us day after day, only to trust Him completely, to watch over you, your family, to satisfy you, to please you? 
Will you ask God to give you the greatest Christmas gift imaginable, the gift of an eternal joy in his presence? Because Jesus is coming back. We know that to be true. For you, his return will either be the greatest delight imaginable or certainly the most terrifying expectation of judgment. Which will Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.